everyone, and welcome to the first in a series of podcasts that will be looking at carbohydrate counting methods. My name is Jan Alford, and I'll once again be your host. Today's podcast will provide an overview of carbohydrate counting methodologies and look at some of the benefits of this approach to diabetes management. I'm very pleased to welcome Natasha Leader, who is joining us today. Natasha is an accredited practicing dietitian and has been working for over 16 years in a combination of tertiary care hospitals and private practice. Welcome, Natasha, and thank you for talking with us today. Thank you, Jan, and it's lovely to be here today. Okay, I'd like to start out by asking you a, a series of questions, if that's all right. And the first one I'd like to ask you is, what is carbohydrate counting and do I need a PhD to teach someone how to manage their diabetes using this technique? Well, carbohydrate counting is a way of identifying and then quantifying or, or measuring the amount of carbohydrate that a person is eating. And the reason that this can be useful is to allow them a more flexible approach in what they're um, doing diet-wise in order to control their uh, glucose levels, manage their diabetes, um, and generally just give a bit more flexibility in their in their life overall. Um, it's certainly not something that requires a PhD to teach. Um, it should be taught by a dietitian that specialises in uh, diabetes management, but obviously diabetes educators who are working closely with uh, patients or clients with uh, type 1 diabetes in particular need to be very familiar with the concepts. They need to be able to identify the carbohydrates and if they're working with insulin dose adjustment, certainly be able to look for patterns in people's uh, blood glucose records. There are different levels of carbohydrate counting and obviously depending on the person, it's looking for a degree of uh, accuracy or detail that suits them and their, their lifestyle, but it's certainly something that does require a significant amount of work uh, initially in terms of both the identification and getting used to counting of the carbohydrate, the, the measuring, there is extra time and effort that needs to go in, and also then applying that to their diabetes in particular and their insulin doses. So certainly that initial legwork is quite intensive, but that knowledge of that technique and the things that work and, and what, what's needed will become easier over time and with more practice and experience. Thanks, Natasha. Can you briefly outline for us the sort of client groups that you believe are ben would benefit from this approach? Sure, Jan. Well, anyone with type 1 diabetes will benefit from using carbohydrate counting, whether they be children or adults and also whether they're using multiple daily injections or they're on a pump. Uh, obviously with a, a pump, it's still relying on the information that's input to it. And so the more accurate people can assess their diet, the more accurate they can be with the dosing of insulin that they give. Um, I've also um, certainly found it helpful with those who have type 2 diabetes or other forms of diabetes that are using mealtime insulin or even mixed insulin with that component of rapid-acting insulin in it to allow them more flexibility. Um, and it's useful with uh, 
women with gestational diabetes who are given a set pattern of carbohydrates to follow diet-wise to allow them flexibility in the actual choice of food. Um, and even as a weight management tool outside of diabetes, as a way really of quantifying a, a calorie source that can be a bit more manageable uh, for people to do in the long term. Thanks for that, Natasha. Uh, I guess, are you able to provide our members with some guidelines on how to assess a client as perhaps being suitable to be taught this technique? And I guess on the other side of the coin, are there any clients that you advise would not benefit from the technique? Yes, yeah, sure. So the very first thing would be that um, those people with diabetes who are wanting to use carbohydrate counting need to know what carbohydrate foods are. And although a lot of us might assume that that's an obvious thing for people, I still regularly see people who have had diabetes for a number of years um, who hadn't realised that, for instance, milk was a carbohydrate or to count certain fruits or vegetables. And part of that also might come back to where they had been diagnosed, who they had seen. Um, there might be a little bit of variation between, between centres. So definitely a revision as to what people's understanding of carbohydrates um, is, what foods are not carbohydrates. People need to be able to have the ability to quantify what they're eating, so whether that's the use of scales, measuring cups, they've obviously got to have some basic math skill in terms of adding, um, adding things, a reasonable command of English if they're looking at labels printed in, in English or materials to help them um, uh, work out how much carbohydrate is in certain foods or access to um, databases or, or lists of carbohydrate foods in their own language. And because the whole point of doing the carbohydrate counting is to really then allow someone to have a more flexible approach to their dosing of insulin, they need to be motivated enough to do that extra work, to do the extra measuring and checking or weighing, and also to do the blood glucose testing associated with that. If someone is checking what their mealtime insulin is doing, then we need to see both the pre-meal glucose and a post-meal glucose level in order to assess whether that dose of mealtime insulin has been appropriate for what they've eaten. So the carbohydrate counting is one part of it, but the, the matching dose of insulin for that amount of carbohydrate needs to be checked. So there can be, for some people, quite a lot of additional blood glucose monitoring that's needed, at least during that assessment phase. Um, and as for people who may not uh, benefit from the technique, if there's people in certain institutions that are on a set menu that is consistent with their carbohydrates, or on set doses of insulin and really don't wish to vary their diet from meal to meal in terms of its carbohydrate, then they may not find it as necessary to use this concept. There are definitely a number of people where the additional stress or anxiety around counting and measuring and thinking about um, their, their diet in that extra detail just is too much for people. Uh, and therefore, it's not something that we want to add to um, the strain of having diabetes. And obviously, those who aren't willing to check their blood glucose regularly, they certainly could use the concept of carbohydrate counting, but they're not necessarily going to get the benefit. Um, and from a safety point of view, 
we're not going to know what's happening. Thanks for that, Natasha. The next question is really several questions in one, I guess. The first part is, when you're teaching a client this technique, are there any limitations that the CDE needs to be aware of, firstly? Secondly, can you provide some essential tips, if you like, to ensuring our members are giving clients accurate and evidence-based advice in this area of management? And finally, can you recommend any courses or resources that would assist with the development of skills in this area? Sure, okay, so in regard to your first question, I think the important thing to remember is that counting of carbohydrate is only one part of diabetes management, and indeed it's only one part of dietary management of diabetes. So in terms of the diet, and Karma will speak more about this next week, the effects of other components of our meal, of our food, will impact on our blood glucose levels as well. So whether that be protein or fat or fibre or the glycemic index of the carbohydrate, we'll all have some impact on that resultant blood glucose level and uh, potentially of people's insulin requirement. So it, it is important to remember it's only one aspect. And carbohydrate is only one part of the diet as well. So if we're looking at carbohydrate counting, a lot of the time people will have a tendency to move to more processed or packet foods that have a label right there that they can easily check how many grams of carbohydrate is in a food. And that may have a negative effect on their overall quality of their diet. There's always the potential to either overestimate the carbohydrate and again, correct identification of what people are counting is important, but also the, the measurements can slip over time. So it is important to go back and, and recheck, well, how much does that banana weigh? What does that size potato look like? How much is, is this much rice? Because um, it, a little bit can make a difference over, over time, particularly if it's several things that are a little bit out um, in measurement. The need for reliable resources is, is very important because obviously these days you can Google lots of different things and the amount of misinformation out there is quite um, large or what something might get written down as for the carbohydrate of an apple will be dependent on the size of the apple, for instance, and sometimes it's whether a product's cooked or raw or whether there's a core in it or a skin on it still, etc. So... Definitely reliable sources are important. There are government databases of nutrition, so Australia has NutFab. Uh, there are preferred apps and resources available, so the Traffic Light Guide, for instance, either in book form or now available as an app. Something like Calorie King uh, website or app on iPhone is a, a fairly reliable source. But with any of those things, it's also applying a little bit of, of common sense. And if you see a product that really has a exceedingly high or a low amount of carbohydrate that just doesn't seem right, it's obviously trying to look into that a bit further and not um, just taking that um, as, as a definite because obviously typos can, can still happen. And I think the, the whole use of carbohydrate counting, again, needs to be assessed or um, changed around on an individual basis so that it's being as useful for that person as it, as it can be and that can look like different uh, things to different people. 
Uh, and finally, in terms of courses, there are several courses that are run uh, throughout Australia. So there's the course Daphne, which is, again, focused on flexible eating, um, which um, people with diabetes can attend. Baker IDI, I think mostly just down in Victoria, have a, a similar course looking at counting carbohydrate and how that might then apply flexibility to insulin doses. Or obviously, if there's any local-run carbohydrate counting workshops, um, obviously, local diabetes centre, um, seeing a dietitian that specialises in it, are all a good place to start. So, Natasha, just, uh, I guess, coming towards the end of this, but is there more than one approach to carbohydrate counting that members need to be aware of? And if so, is there an approach that you can recommend that is simple and easy to use? Yeah, there are different methods of carbohydrate counting. Again, it all comes down to identifying what the carbohydrate food is. But then some people will prefer to quantify that in actual grams of carbohydrate. Some people are more familiar, particularly those that have had diabetes for a longer time or diagnosed as children, in using the, the exchange or the portion, which might be a 10 gram or a 15 gram amount of carbohydrate. And depending also on maybe if someone's on a pump versus uh, multiple daily injections, that might swing their, their preference one way or the other. It also comes down to people's own uh, both maths ability and just preference for, for how they like to um, add these things up. There's also more simple methods like the per meal method where you may have a particular meal that's always the, the same in terms of its amount and it's looking at for that meal what happens with the blood glucose from before to after um, for that amount of carbohydrate so that every time you have that meal you've got the knowledge of what that, that meal contains carbohydrate-wise and how much insulin it seems to require. Likewise, when you're measuring a recipe, we don't want rounding up or down of every individual ingredient. It's a case of identifying all the carbohydrate parts of that recipe, how much, whether gram-wise, um, you're using for each of those, what the total amount is, is and then mixing um, or changing that, sorry, to uh, the nearest half exchange or portion so that you're not getting too far out in the total product. Um, so it really is going to depend on what suits the, the individual, um, but whether someone's using cup measures or weighing or the combination of looking at labels and, and those, it's really setting up the system so that it's easy for them, that there might be a small digital scale on the bench or they're keeping a half cup measure in the cereal container so that it's minimising that extra sort of work each time they're, they're checking something. Thanks for that, Natasha. So just before we end up in this session, are you able to give our members perhaps three take-home messages that might help them get started in terms of providing more evidence-based practice in carbohydrate counting? Yes, well, firstly, I think it's absolutely a very helpful technique which is useful for people to enable them to tighten their diabetes control and that may be avoiding spikes or avoiding uh, periods of hypoglycemia because they're really tightening up the doses of insulin 
compared with the actual amount of food that they're eating at that time. So it can definitely allow people much greater flexibility diet-wise rather than, okay, you've got to take this insulin so you have to eat this amount of carbohydrate. But it is the knowledge that it does take work to get there. It is sort of getting used to having to think about each meal, plate size, portion size, where are you finding out that carbohydrate amount, doing that extra blood glucose monitoring. And so because of that, I think the final thing to remember is that it is important to look at the whole clinical situation in terms of what someone's overall diabetes control is like, what their social setting is like and whether this is something that they are keen to, to take on, um, what they're actually going to, to gain from it. Well, Natasha, thank you once again. And I'm, I'm positive that this podcast has inspired our members to start thinking about working towards expanding their skills in this area. But I'd also like to thank you, our members, for taking the time to listen to this podcast. And in the next podcast, as Natasha mentioned, I'll be talking to Dr. Carmel Smart, who's going to focus on the evidence to support carbohydrate counting. Please take time to download some of the valuable references that have been provided on our LMS site. And you can also update, upload any questions for our speakers that you might want to address on this topic through the LMS system. So thank you once again, Natasha. Thank you, Jan. And we'll see you all again in the next fortnight. Goodbye.